It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, September 21st. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Home prices are falling and houses are staying on the market longer. No, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. The California Report has the details on the surprising new state housing trend. We've got your local news and weather. Then KVMR's Felton Pruitt looks at the possible merging of the Penn Valley and Rough and Ready Fire Departments with Bruce Stevenson from the Penn Valley Fire Board. Staying on theme, we close with a commentary about the potential wildfire hazard posed by Empire Mine State Historic Park. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. In California, we're used to home prices going one direction, up. But in recent months, the residential real estate market has cooled, with home prices falling and properties staying on the market longer. For more on this story, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, the California Report's Saul Gonzalez. Hey, Saul. Hey, Maddie. So here in California, a pretty cold blast of air has blown through what's usually red-hot residential real estate markets. Take this example. Property tracking firm DQ News says home sales in Southern California dropped 28% from August of last year to August of this year. And in recent months, home values have either stayed frozen or declined by 2 to 6%, depending on the area. UCLA real estate professor Eric Sussman says that in Los Angeles, changes like like this can be disorienting to real estate veterans. We definitely had a softening of the market, which is just shocking to most Los Angelinos who have been used to prices going up, up and away. So what's creating the cool down? Well, experts say it's rising mortgage rates. The recent spike in rates adds about $1,000 in monthly payments to a home that would go for about $740,000. But for those looking for a home, the lower asking prices now and the reduced frenzy in the market are also a welcome relief. The last one we looked at was it didn't have dishwasher. At an open house in East L.A. over the weekend, where a Spanish-style bungalow was going for $850,000, I met Ashley Coley, who's looking for her first home. I've been told that we're in a better position as a buyer than than we have, would have been in the past couple of years. So that's good for me, I hope. You hope that's good for you? I hope that's good for me, yeah. That this trend continues. Yeah, or I hope that, you know, I hope that it's not as competitive and um, that maybe even we'll see lower prices than we have. Ashley's friend and realtor, Rachel Stamen, then chimed in, arguing buyers have slightly more clout than sellers compared to the real estate market's recent past. Yeah, I, I feel extremely hopeful for, for buyers right now, feeling they have a little more like control of their own future. Before, it was like if, if we were working with Ashley, it was like a million dollars, you're getting a condo. Now, we're, we're looking at homes. But here's a reality check. Even with a decline in prices, many Californians are still locked out of the real estate market because of how much homes are still going for, especially when you add in those mortgage rate increases. Looking into his real estate market crystal ball, UCLA's Eric Sussman predicts modest home declines in the future, but not a free fall. It's just going to be a slowdown. I've told everyone if they're waiting for a collapse, they'll be waiting for Godot. That just is not going to happen this cycle as best that I can see. For many, that means the struggle to find an affordable place to buy and call home will go on for now. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles.
In other housing news, this week the Newsom administration identified five state-owned properties that it hopes can be used for affordable housing. Cap Radio's Chris Nichols has that story. The sites include a commercial building in Midtown Sacramento, former state office buildings in Fresno and Covina, a Caltrans property in Oceanside, and land near the Atascadero State Hospital. The administration is looking for developers to build what it believes will be hundreds of new units of affordable housing on the properties. Three years ago, the governor signed an order requiring agencies to find excess property for this purpose. So far, the state has reached deals on 16 sites, creating a pipeline of more than 4,000 new homes, according to the administration. Newsom also signed a related bill. It requires the state to report to the legislature on its plans to transition underutilized state buildings into affordable housing. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Over the past 20 years, drinking water in California's Kern Valley State Prison and surrounding communities contained arsenic levels above the federal limit for years at a time. That's according to a new study by UC Berkeley. Jenny Rempel is a co-author of the study. After the MCL or the, the maximum contaminant level, the regulatory limit changed in 2006. It took six to seven years for arsenic treatment to come online in Delano and Kern Valley State Prison. And then it took even longer to get arsenic treatment in McFarland. Um, And Allensworth residents are still relying on, you know, untreated blended water from their groundwater wells. So there's a a long period of of exposure uh, as uh, systems were waiting for a treatment to come online. That exposure can lead to health problems like diabetes, respiratory issues, and multiple forms of cancer. Co-author Alistair Cohen says these low-income communities are even further burdened by the structural makeup of the state's water system. Because funding for water treatment and supply provision and maintenance um, is typically expected to come primarily from residents, from, from those using the water, Uh, All things being equal, water treatment utilities in lower-income rural areas are more likely to be out of compliance. The study recommends new and ongoing support from the state for water treatment facilities in these areas to meet drinking standards. And in other news, a library in San Francisco's Bayview-Hunters Point neighborhood is now home to California's first clean air center. The center opened on Tuesday and will offer people a place to escape bad air quality from wildfire smoke. In the coming weeks, more than 300 clean air centers are expected to be made available to the public in the Bay Area. Christina Chu is with the Bay Area Air Quality Resources Board. Through the Clean Air Centers program, it provides portable air cleaners or um, HVAC upgrades to like schools and um, libraries and other buildings that can serve the public when air quality is unhealthy um, due to wildfire smoke. $5 million in state funding has been allocated for the first phase of the clean air centers, which will mostly be in the Bay Area, San Joaquin Valley, and along California's southern coast. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, September 21st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 
Let's take a look at today's local news. Time for your mosquito fire update. Continued rain in the foothills has helped largely quell the mosquito fire, with officials reporting more containment progress, as nearly all of the more than 11,000 residents displaced earlier this month by the wildfire have been allowed to return home. This morning, CAL FIRE and the U.S. Forest Service reported the fire at 76,290 acres or 119 square miles. No growth has been observed since Sunday evening, with about two and a half inches of rain falling over the fire zone since then, according to today's incident report. The blaze is now 49% contained, up from 39% Tuesday morning. Just 42 residents remained under mandatory evacuation orders as of this morning. According to the Placer County Sheriff's Office, those orders remain in place near the immediate fire zone, in sparsely populated areas just east of Forest Hill. More than 2,400 personnel remain assigned to the fire, according to CAL FIRE, down from more than 3,900 at the peak of the battle last week. Fire crews are working to complete containment, especially on the eastern flank. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Election Day isn't until November 8th. But there's lots of buzz over a general tax measure that'll appear on the Nevada County ballot. If Measure V passes by a simple majority, county residents will see a half-cent sales tax added on all applicable sales. Measure V would be in place for the following 10 years and generate approximately $12 million a year, which would be placed in the county's general fund. The Union of Grass Valley reports authors of the measure say funds derived from the tax would go towards areas of wildfire prevention, emergency services, disaster readiness, and other general governmental use. The draft expenditure report states that 10% of the collected tax would go to planning, prevention, and preparedness. Another 65% would be allotted to mitigation, 20% to response, and 5% to recovery. If approved, the tax would go into effect immediately and would effectively be practiced beginning April 1st. I-80 eastbound drivers should expect traffic delays between Truckee and the California-Nevada border through early Friday morning. Emergency maintenance work is needed to repair damages caused by recent collisions. Caltrans crews will close the right eastbound lane of I-80 between Boca and Floriston. Maintenance crews will focus on repairing concrete barrier walls, replacing guardrail, and continuing hazmat cleanup from a spate of recent semi-truck collisions. Turning our attention to your local forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality from purpleair.com. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 47. Thursday, sunny with a high near 72. The current air quality is good with an AQI around 13. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 31. Areas of freezing fog after 11 p.m. Thursday, sunny with a high near 65. Areas of freezing fog before 9 a.m. The current air quality is good with an AQI of 11. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee Tahoe region. Light slushy snow is possible on area passes above 8,500 feet, including Mount Rose Highway. Thunderstorms may also produce small hail at any elevation. It'll be damp and chilly with overnight lows into the 20s in colder Sierra valleys. Areas of freezing fog are expected to form in Sierra Valleys from Tahoe and north of Tahoe, tonight into Thursday morning. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 57. Thursday, sunny with a high near 81. Current air quality is good with an AQI under 15.
You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. In April of this year, Rough and Ready Fire Protection District knew their financial situation was concerning, and by July, the district suspended staffing on certain days. Now, a potential merger to keep the rural fire station afloat could be in the works. KVMR's Felton Pruitt has the details. We're talking with Bruce Stevenson. He's with the Penn Valley Fire Board. There's a proposal to merge the Penn Valley and Rough and Ready Fire Departments, and there's a committee looking at the feasibility to do this. And I guess, Bruce, you can explain more about how this is all going about. Well, in May, the directors from the Rough and Ready Fire Department approached Pin Valley to let us know their financial situation was not good. And we started looking into what we can do to make the situation better. So we came up with a, an automatic aid agreement with the help of the fire chief. So that's a short-term solution to help them out. The long-term solution is for the two departments to consolidate. So we put together a committee with two board members from Pin Valley Fire, two board members from Rough and Ready Fire, and we also include uh, our supervisor, Sue Hook, and her staff, and we also include SR Jones Lafco and her staff. So all of us together, and our the fire chief, of course, uh, of Pin Valley, we are all looking into this. We know this is the correct long-term solution, and we're just trying to see how we can make this work. Now, there's a precedent for this, isn't there? Because didn't the uh, Grass Valley and Nevada City fire departments merge at one point in the last few years? Correct. And there's been uh, consolidations in Nevada County over the years. That's how Nevada County Consolidated got its name and why it's so large. So it's a common thing in the fire service to not duplicate services and expenditures and try and come together. How long is this going to take? I guess there's a committee reviewing it right now. How long is the review process? Well, my understanding is most consolidations will take a year, a year and a half. So since we started looking into this in May, we went ahead and set a date of June 30th of 23 as a uh, preliminary target. Now, if it has to go over, we've got a backup target date would be the end of the year of 23. So that would put us in the middle of the fiscal year. But we are hoping to get this done by by June or July 1st so that we're on the fiscal uh, financial plans. And how can the public involve themselves in this review process? Well, they are welcome to attend any of the Rough and Ready fire board meetings or any of the Pin Valley fire board meetings. They're, those meetings are all open to the public. They can come and listen. They can ask questions. And uh, we can direct them to uh, help them find their answers if we don't have it right there on hand. Now, is there like a website people could go to and, and get all this information in one place? Right now, you can go to either the Rough and Ready Fire Department website or the Penn Valley Fire Department website. 
we are in the process of putting together our website strictly for the consolidation. That'll have all the questions and answers in a written format and all the information available after, let's say, after we have a meeting with LAFCO or Supervisor Hook, we will get that information on that website. But it's we're in the process of putting that together right now. Well, it's such an important uh, topic because, of course, fire prevention and fire safety is, is like one of the most important things people have to deal with all summer and pretty much 24-7 now oh, here, here in our area. Um, and, and just to say that the, the firefighters and everybody involved with uh, fire prevention have been doing such an amazing job in our area. So it's, it's great that you guys are trying to figure out how to make this even better down the road. And uh, we thank you for your efforts to just getting this rolling. Well, our priorities are to make sure the citizens in Rough and Ready and Penn Valley and the surrounding areas receive the service they deserve, no matter if it's a fire or a medical, a vehicle accident, whatever it is. We're there to serve the public, and we understand that. So we're trying to make this work, and that's why we have so many people on the committee, and we're looking at at everything possible. Well, that's all good information. We've been talking with Bruce Stevenson. He's with the Penn Valley Fire Board. Give the websites one more time if people want to get more information. Rough and Ready Fire Department and the Penn Valley Fire Department. It's like a year process, so we'll see how this all goes. But everybody keep up the good work, and everybody stay safe with their fires. Very good, and thank you very much. The 856-acre Empire Mine State Historic Park sits smack dab in the middle of Grass Valley, bordered by neighborhoods and an elementary school. But is this forested backcountry a tinderbox ready to burn? Up ahead, a commentary by Grass Valley resident Mary McLean. Local officials are eager for our attention as they promote a sales tax for fire prevention. Well, good. I'm eager for their attention, too. I've been advocating for fuel reduction inside the Empire Mine State Park since 2018. Even though the county projects are separate from the state park, they are closely related. I agree with County Supervisor Ed Schofield, who recently wrote an article in the Union. He described the Woodpecker Ravine project that would, quote, create a location where wildfire could be stopped before progressing toward Empire Mine State Park downtown Grass Valley, and Alta Sierra, end quote. This project is roughly bounded by Rattlesnake, Lower Colfax, and Mount Olive Roads. I'm very encouraged to see this area identified as a priority by CAL FIRE and local fire leadership. The park encompasses 856 acres of forested backcountry, It borders my neighborhood and many others, with evacuation route Highway 174 running through it. Many of these forests have seen no fuel reduction for decades. However, it could be futile to treat land around the park if the park itself remains a tinderbox. I shudder to imagine sparks flying over the park. Take a walk yourself on some of the trails in the park or drive on Highway 174 between Partridge and East Empire Street, 
If you want to see some of the densest underbrush and down trees and branches anywhere around this county. If the sales tax won't address this issue, will the Board of Supervisors commit to a sustained effort to lobby for it at the state level? The county's statements on the proposed sales tax identify numerous stakeholders, but not state parks. They are our neighbor and they need to be a partner. I'm doing my part. I've spent thousands of dollars removing dead trees from my property. I'm volunteering with my neighborhood Firewise community. But there are things only government can do. And one of those is cleaning up state park property. So, to those advocating for the sales tax, please address the state park issue too. You have my attention. Do I have yours? The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, September 21st. Visit us online at kvmr.org and on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and Green Acres Nursery and Supply, hosting the annual Green Acres Fall Festival, Saturday, September 24th, at the Isley's Nursery location, 380 Nevada Street, Auburn. Celebrating fall with fun for the whole family. More at idiggreenacres.com and Sierra View Medical Eye, Inc., serving eye care needs since 1965, providing optical services, cataract and glaucoma evaluations, also treating diseases of the eye, on Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley, online at svme2020.com. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. 